I've been meditating on two principles that lead to success. First, uprightness, righteousness, holiness. In Islam, they would call it the surat al-mustaqim. In the Christian tradition, they would call it the straight and narrow path or the highway of holiness. The second one is endurance and perseverance, not giving up, not quitting, or losing hope in the face of disappointment. Both are needed. Both are needed to go hand in hand to reach the dreams, the calls, the desires in our heart, even if they're small dreams, quote unquote, small dreams in the eyes of the world, because we all live small lives. So first, we need to walk uprightly. This is critical, critical for our success, for our legacy so that we don't have lives that are filled with thorns and bitterness, but instead pleasure and love. I've personally gone through really painful seasons in my life where I have made wrong choices. They weren't even like massive moral failures. It's just I didn't consult advisors and mentors that I knew were going to give me advice I didn't want to hear before making big life-changing decisions. And what it led to was three years of really deep pain and hardship and brokenness and a total of a seven-year journey around the mountain, around the wilderness, so to speak, before finding myself back in the exact place, literally the exact place, physically, emotionally, where I made that wrong decision, a seven-year detour before my life got back on track. And that's from a decision that wasn't a a massive break of integrity or fidelity. It was just a, man, I knew my advisors and my mentors were going to tell me something different and I didn't want to hear. I was being foolish. And that is, in many ways, stepping out of that path that leads to our health and wholeness. And those things sideline us. Then of course, there are the massive moral failures or moral failures that that come from due, due to lack of integrity or fidelity or lack of stewardship. Or maybe we're just habitually uh, harsh and cruel rather than exhibiting kindness and gentleness. These massive moral failures can be devastating. They can, take, they can take us out. They can put us on the sidelines. Even with endurance and perseverance and commitment to setting things right, commitment to righting the wrongs that we've made, these can, can slow us down and sideline us for years. If we face disappointment because of decisions, choices, moral failures, and we don't have endurance and hope and perseverance, then we will give up. We will quit. Maybe we won't fully quit on life, but we'll just resign and say, you know what, this is just, this is just my lot in life. I'm I'm going to dial it back a bit, just put it into cruise control, sit back, and you know, I those were dreams in my heart, but I guess they weren't. They weren't meant to be. Unless we have endurance to press through, we never will. Conversely, 
if we don't walk uprightly with a healthy fear of God, a healthy fear of consequences, a, a healthy fear of making foolish decisions, and we continue to make those habitually, not learning from our mistakes, no amount of endurance and perseverance or hope is going to carry us to our goals, dreams, desires, and callings because we will be habitually and continually injuring ourselves and injuring those around us. Now, suppose we do walk in wisdom and uprightness, but we lack endurance. We lack perseverance. Wisdom does not mean never falling or never falling short or never failing. Because the wise and the righteous, they fall seven times, but they get back up again. The foolish, they fall and they stay down. They don't, they don't get back up. They say, ah, it's too, it's too hard. I'm just going to stay here. And, and the truth is, and we all, we all know this, failing at endeavors, disappointments, setbacks, unexpected events that are outside or even sometimes within our control, they will happen. We will fail. Failure is a part of growing. Failure is a part of life. Pain will happen to us. But without endurance and perseverance, we will not pass, press past those natural shortcomings of life. And we too will become hopeless and resign on the calling that is buried in each and every one of our hearts. On today's episode, we are going to be playing back Probably my favorite episode of the entire show to date, uh, even though this is episode 292, which is another palindrome, which I love. This is actually the 299th piece that we have published, which is, in my mind, really incredible. I'm, I'm very proud of that. And out of these 299 episodes, there is only one episode that I can think of where I've actually gone back and listened to the show for my own sake on multiple occasions. On multiple occasions where I feel weary or feeling like giving up, this is the episode I go back and listen to. Now, the reason we're replaying this episode all the way back from March 2019, episode 24, is because... uh, we are all laid out with this nasty flu here. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but it does kind of hurt to talk. So we're going to replay this episode as it speaks to both the, the aspect of endurance, which is quite evident in this episode, but also very subtly, it sheds light, a soft light, on our need for uprightness, our need to not cut corners. So without any further ado, Episode 24, dating all the way back to March 2019, right here on The Lucas Robot Show. We all know that ancient fable of the tortoise and the hare. As the story goes, the hare bolts out of the gate in a sprint. He is far, far ahead of the tortoise in his pride and arrogance. He decides, ah, I can just take it easy. I'll take a little siesta, I'll take a nap. And uh, the tortoise carries on slow and steady and he wins the race. The hare wakes up and realizes too late 
that the tortoise is about to cross the finish line. And thus, we get the saying, slow and steady wins the race. But I often wonder, does the tortoise really win? And if it does, is it because it was slow and steady? Or is there another story going on here? Welcome to Own the Future, a podcast made for and by changemakers, where we gain the courage to own our story, the freedom to own our craft, and the power to own the future. I'm your host, and today we are going to be talking about, yep, the tortoise and the hare. And I would like to suggest to you that the tortoise does indeed win, but it's not because it was slow and steady. I love the story of the tortoise and the hare. I I love the tortoise. I think he rocks. I I love saying slow and steady wins the race, but I often find myself with a a a dissonance within myself, a conflict within myself because I look at my life and in many ways I don't live out the slow and steady wins the race. I'm not particularly trying to go slow. And sometimes I'm not very steady. I believe that hard work and putting in the hours and being diligent and doing today what others won't so that you can do tomorrow what others can't. I believe those things are very important and that in many ways to me seems like the hair. It is it is trying to move fast. It is not wasting time. It's not it's not being slothful. It's not meandering about, but it's it's exerting its energy while it has it. So I have a problem. Does slow and steady really win the race? And why does this story still resonate with all of us today? But before we answer this question in today's episode, I want to tell a couple other stories. And I'm going to start with a excerpt from a commencement speech given by Arnold Raphael McKinnon, who is a Finnish photographer. And he gave in 2004 a commencement speech to the New England School of Photography. And he said this, The Helsinki bus station. Let me describe what happens there. Some two dozen platforms are laid out in a square at the heart of the city. At the head of each platform is a sign posting the numbers of the buses that leave from that particular platform. The bus numbers might read as follows. 21, 71, 58, 33, and 19. Each bus takes the same route out of the city for at least a kilometer, stopping at bus intervals along the way where the same numbers are again repeated, 21, 71, 58, 33, and 19. Now, let's say, again, metaphorically speaking, that each bus stop represents one year in the life of a photographer, meaning the third bus stop would represent three years of photographic activity. Okay, so you have been working for three years making platinum studies of nudes. Call it bus number 21. You take those three years of work on the nudes to the Museum of Fine Arts, Boston, and the curator asks if you are familiar with the nudes of Irving Penn. 
His bus, number 71, was on the same line. Or you take them to a gallery in Paris and are reminded to check out Bill Brandt, bus 58, and so on. Shocked, you realize that what you have been doing for three years, others have already done. So you hop off the bus, grab a cab because life is short, and head straight back to the bus station looking for another platform. This time, you are going to make 8 by 10 view camera color snapshots of people lying on the beach from a cherry picker crane. You spend three years at it and three grand and produce a series of work that elicits the same comment. Haven't you seen the work of Richard Misrach? Or if there are steamy black and white 8 by 10 camera views of palm trees swaying off a beachfront, haven't you seen the work of Sally Mann? So once again, you get off the bus, grab the cab, race back, and find a new platform. This goes on all your creative life, always showing new work, always being compared to others. What to do? It's simple. Stay on the bus. Stay on the frickin' bus. Why? Because if you do, in time, you will begin to see a difference. The buses that move out of Helsinki stay on the same line, but only for a while, maybe a kilometer or two. Then they begin to separate each number heading off to its own unique destination. Bus 33 suddenly goes north. Bus 19 southwest. For a time, maybe, 21 and 71 dovetail one another, but soon they split off as well. Irving Penn is headed elsewhere. It is the separation that makes all of the difference. And once you start to see that difference in your work from the work you so admire, that's why you chose that platform after all, it's time to look for your breakthrough. Suddenly, your work starts to get noticed. Now you're working more on your own, making more of the differences between your work and what influenced it. Your vision takes off. And as the years mount up and your work begins to pile up, it won't be long before the critics become very intrigued. Not just by what separates your work from Sally Mann or Ralph Gibson, but by what you did when you first got started. You regain the whole bus route, in fact. The vintage prints made 20 years ago are suddenly reevaluated and, for what it's worth, start selling at a premium. At the end of the line, where the bus comes to rest and the driver can get out for a smoke, or better yet, a cup of coffee. That's when the work is done. It could be the end of your career as an artist or the end of your life for that matter, but your total output is now all there is before you. The early so-called imitation, the breakthroughs, the peaks and valleys, the closing masterpieces, all with the stamp of your own unique vision. Why? Because you stayed on the bus. In closing, now I want you to take a look at Switzerland, where I also teach. Stand back. Stand back far enough so you can see your own mountaintop and then head straight for it. 
knowing it will disappear from sight for most of your life. As you meander the hidden forest trails that lift you ever higher, even as many sections force you to drop down into the mountainside, pockets of disappointment or even despair, but you will be climbing soon enough and always headed towards your goal. There will be those special occasions, and may there be many of them, when the fruits of your labor are suddenly made visible, to be celebrated, when you will again see that peak, only closer now, giving you the confidence to step forward even more briskly and bravely. At one point, the tree line will thin out the way hair on the top of an old man begins to bald away, but air will be clear in the path shore. At the top, you will delight in what you have accomplished as much as become aware of peaks far higher than what you have ever dreamed of. Peaks that, from the distance when you first saw them, were hard to judge for their heights. But now, you see them, way up there but your climbing days are done. If you look up to those lofty peaks with raging jealousy, you will end your days in sadness and regret. If you look down the path you came from, you can become proud or even arrogant if you like of every step you took. But if you skim the horizon with your eyes and take in the gorgeous sweep of the panorama before you, you will know peace and rare humility. We do not have to be number one in this world. We only have to be number one to ourselves. There's a special peace that comes with such humility, one that showers respect on you from your peers, both above and below you. When you reach this peak in life, you've reached the highest peak of them all. Stardom is no dream to chase. We just need to be good and make good work. So, be the caretaker of your vision. Make it famous. And above all, remember that art is risk made visible. What Mulkinen is saying here is that when we start off it often looks like we are imitating, we are copying. A lot of people will say, well, what you're doing is the same as everyone else. And we can get stricken with fear or the wanting to make a body of work that is significant, wanting to create something that is meaningful to the world. But we begin to hear these voices around us and we begin to look around and see, well, I'm, I'm doing the same thing as everyone else. This isn't the path that I really want to be on. So we get off the path and we go back to the station and we start over and we spend another three to four to seven years trying to develop and say something meaningful, only to find out that, again, we're doing the same thing as everyone else. But what Munkinen is pointing out here, that it is not until we go 20, 30, 40, 100 kilometers down the road, 100 stops down the road, that our paths begin to diverge, and the vision that we have, the thing that we are trying to articulate that is different than everyone else, finally emerges. 
Now, what does this have to do with slow and steady wins the race? What does this have to do with the tortoise and the hare? Well, I would like to suggest that it's not slow and steady that wins the race because I think the hare beats the tortoise every time in the race, in that one dash, that one sprint. But the thing is, the lifetime of the hare is only seven years, where the lifetime of a tortoise is 150. It is not that the hare takes a nap on the way or is running too fast. It is not that the tortoise is slow and steady. It's that the lifetime of a tortoise is 150 years and is able to put in that much more work over that many more decades, whereas the hare, after five or seven years, looks around and says, "Mm, I'm just doing the same thing as everyone else, and they hit that restart button. They hit that reset button, and they get out of the bus. They go back into a cab, and they go back to the bus station to catch another bus because they are trying to get somewhere unique. But the tortoise, the tortoise has seen that mountain, and it's going on the same path, the same trek for 150 years. This reminds me of another story, an excerpt from Ira Glass, the the most famous podcaster of them all from This American Life. Listen to what Ira has to say about closing the gap between the work that we believe is in us, the 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 taste, the the eye that we have, the, the valuable work that we know that we are called to create, and where our skills lie today. Nobody uh, tells people who are beginners, and I really wish somebody had told this to me, is that um, if you're watching this video, you somebody wants to make videos, right? And all of us who do creative work, like, you know, we get into it, and we get into it because we have good taste. Do you know what I mean? Like, you want to make TV because you love TV. You know what I mean? Because there's stuff that you just, like, love, okay? So you've got really good taste. And you get into this thing that, that I don't even know how to describe, but it's like there's a gap. That for the first couple of years that you're making stuff, what you're making isn't so good, okay? It's not that great. It's, it's really not that great. It's, it's trying to be good. It has ambition to be good, but it's not quite that good. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, your, your taste is still killer. And your taste is good enough that you can tell that what you're making is kind of a disappointment to you. You know what I mean? Like you can tell that it's still sort of crappy. A lot of people never get past that phase. A lot of people at that point, they quit. And the thing I would just like say to you with all my heart is that most everybody I know who does interesting creative work, they went through a phase of years where they had really good taste. They could tell what they were making wasn't as good as they wanted it to be. They knew it felt short, you know, and and like some of us can admit that to ourselves and some of us are a little less able to admit that to ourselves. But we knew like it didn't have this special thing that we wanted it to have. And the thing I would say to you is everybody goes through that. And for you to go through it, if you're going through it right now, if you're just getting out of that phase, if you're just starting off and you're entering into that phase, you got to know it's totally normal. And the most important possible thing you could do is do a lot of work. Do a huge volume of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week or every month you know you're going to finish one story. You know what I mean? Whatever it's going to be. Like you create the deadline. It's best if you have somebody who's waiting for work for you, somebody who's expecting it from you, even if it's not somebody who pays you, but that you're in a situation where you have to turn out the work because it's only by actually going through a volume of work that you're actually going to catch up and close that gap and your the work you're making will be as good as your ambitions 
Now, the thing that pops into my mind, I don't know about your mind, when I hear this excerpt by Ira Glass is, how do I know if I'm doing the right kind of work? And maybe I have my vision. Okay, I'm not going to quit. I know my, I'm going to go for the long run. But do I just put in endless, mindless reps? How do I know that my reps that my, my work, my day in, day out volume of work is actually going to enable me to achieve my goals. Because I have okay work and I have bad work and I have some things that I think is good work. But what do I do when I'm working on something and I say, you know what, this doesn't quite make it. It's not quite clicking. Do I just keep on going with it? This is what Ira has to say. And then it's time at that point to be the ambitious, super achieving person who you're going to be and to kill it. It's time to kill and it's time to enjoy the killing because by killing, you will make something else even better live. And, and I think that like not enough gets said about the importance of abandoning crap. And one thing that, that you know you should know is that all video production is trying to be crap. Like, in fact, all radio production is trying to be crap. Basically, the, it's like it's like the laws of entropy. You know that thing where like the universe is all the energy of the universe is dissipating, and like all the atoms are getting lower and lower in energy. Well, basically, like anything that you put on tape, from the moment you put it on tape, like basically, it's trying to be really bad. It's trying to be unstructured. It's trying to be pointless. It's trying to be boring. It's trying to be digressive much like these sentences that I'm saying right here. And um, and pretty much you have to prop it up aggressively at every stage of the way if it's going to be any good. Like you have to be really like a killer about like getting rid of the boring parts and going right to the parts that are like getting to your heart. And you just have to be ruthless um, if anything is going to be good. Things that are really good are good because people are being really, really tough. And you're going to be really tough um, in, in doing it. And you're going to know also that like failure is a big part of um, success. Something I sound like some Michael Jordan ad, but like, you know what I mean? Like, like you're going to like run a lot of stuff and it's going to go nowhere. And that's, you should be happy about that. If you're doing that, you're doing it right. If you're not failing all the time, you're not creating a situation where you can get super lucky. And basically like a lot of video and radio production, a lot of broadcasting is just in the purest way about luck. Like really you just want to be in a situation where you're doing enough material, where you're doing enough interviews every week, where like you have put yourself on a schedule so that you know every week you're going to interview somebody about something. And through that, once a month, maybe once every six weeks, you're going to stumble on somebody who is so compelling and a story that's so great that it makes those other five weeks worth it. And I don't know. It's like people don't talk about this that much. That You have to kind of going, go into it knowing that you've got to record and get rid of a lot of crap before you're going to get to anything that's special. And you don't want to be making mediocre stuff. You know what I mean? Like, that's not why anybody gets into this. The only reason why you want to do this is because you want to make something that's so, like, memorable and special. Um, and that's what you want to do. It's not that we should do 150 years or 100 years or a lifetime of work without critiquing our work, without being critical, without saying, mm, that piece isn't quite good enough. It's not going where I thought it was. This is a dead end. I'm going to kill this project and start again. Because if we mindlessly and blindly try to develop our craft without refining our craft, 
and we're just putting in reps upon reps upon reps without stopping to evaluate the quality of those reps. If we're just doing a volume of work without stopping and paying attention and asking ourselves, is this crap or is this good? Is this something that is that is going somewhere? Is it something that has value to it that is going to be a masterpiece? Maybe not today, but one day. Or is this a dead end? And we have to have the awareness to realize when a project is a dead end and when we should kill it, while at the same time keeping in mind that just because a project might be a dead end doesn't mean we should get off the bus and go back to ground zero and start again. Because a project, just because a project is a dead end does not mean that we are a dead end. The mistake that I see with slow and steady wins the race, every time I say it, the the thing that pops up into my heart is that being a tortoise does not mean taking it easy. It does not mean slacking on our schedule. It does not mean lacking to do a volume of work. It does not mean don't push yourself too hard. Don't work too hard every day. Take it easy. That is not what slow and steady wins the race. But I feel like at times that's the excuse that we're communicating. That's what we're trying to tell others to make them feel good about their shortcomings. Rather, we must go through the process, the process of making work, evaluating work, and then refining that work to make it better. Yes, We need to know when to quit. We need to know when to kill a project. We need to know whether it's a dead end or just a lull that we need to push and persevere through. So instead of slow and steady wins the race, I think it's focus and endurance. I think it's patience, perseverance, and commitment that wins the race for the tortoise. Not slow and steady, perseverance and endurance perseverance and endurance over the decades rather than over a short burst of five to seven years. But that tortoise is putting in the work, taking the steps day in, day out with focus and intentional drive, moving itself forward, being thoughtful about every step along the way. If every couple of years, We are hitting the reset button on relationships, hitting the reset buttons on our vision, on our dream, on our craft. We will never mature into what we were born to be and do. We will never mature as a human being. And that is why we're here. To to live and walk in the fullness that is designed for you and for I. So the tortoise and the hare. The tortoise does not beat the hare because the hare took a nap. But it's that the tortoise flat out outlives the hare and chooses to go the distance, to go for a longer amount of time where the hare is pressing that reset button every five to seven years. But the tortoise by living longer, by enduring longer, by persevering longer, 
will always, always win. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Remember, this is a value for value podcast. If you got value out of the show, you can give value back to the show in the measure measure that you feel like it is worth. And you can do that by going over to lucasgrobot.com backslash support and clicking the appropriate button. Or if you are like the Bitcoins and the Satoshis, you can listen to the show on Sphinx where you can stream Satoshis as you listen. So with every minute that you listen, you're literally giving a micro bit of value back. And I, I love when people stream that way. I, I wake up and I get a bunch of little notifications on my phone. And that is always so encouraging to me. Another way that you can get more out of the show and support the show is by sharing it with people around you, by sharing content that you value with people around you. It actually builds a cohesive language and community around you. It's like putting bricks in a wall. Now, when someone shares something with me, I feel loved. I feel encouraged. I feel like, wow, this person values me. They're thinking about me. Now, when someone sends me something that I know that they know that I disagree with, and it's kind of a a passive aggressive jab, hey, you should listen to this. I don't like that. I was just like, you know what? Just thanks. You can talk to me about it, but thanks. But I love when people who think like me, who I feel that were cut from the same cloth, when they send me something, they say, oh my goodness, I just listened to this. I, I thought of you like, this is incredible. Did you hear this? That's when I feel love. So send it to someone that you love. Thanks for listening. That's all. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. You can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero or anywhere else on the interwebs. Remember, you are someone who does have endurance and who does seek to live through principles of wisdom and uprightness. So go out and own your future. <laughs>